Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Millions of people cheering. Hey, Megan Hills, whose voice you just heard, and no, we're not at the Folk School Coffee Parlor. We're still trying to figure out, you know, if these variants are calming down, we can get back to recording live because that's so much different and fun to do. And Megan won't be with us because she has some pretty serious uh, family business. Uh, I'll tell you what, her dog died and it's she was pretty torn up. Just happened this morning and she called me this morning. And of course, we said, hey, you know, take care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, never underestimate. And a lot of you listeners know this is the truth because you are have pets or have loved pets and have had them love you. It's a hard hit when you have a dog that's been with you for a long time die. And Colonel Fitzsimmons, her dog, had been with her for a long time. We got Mike West coming on. Get this. He's from near Liverpool, England. That's where he is right now. So he's joining us uh, digitally. We look forward to that because Jerry Springer was born in England. Uh, Mike West helped commission uh, having a statue put in the underground where Jerry was birthed and uh, wrote songs about it. Did a whole album uh, called Jerry Springer. Uh, so whole we're talk. And, yeah. and what's amazing about him is that um, he's, he's the first musician ever to come out of Liverpool. Yeah, first one. Uh, first one. Interesting. Boom, boom, boom. Whoa. Yeah. We never had one. Sorry about that, Ringo. And 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 get this, Jerome Palete, who is uh, from Canada, rode a bike, a bicycle, all the way from Canada, which is kind of close to the top of North America, all the way to the tip of Argentina. And we're going to be chatting with him in a few minutes, but the heart of our podcast, and boy, I'm looking forward to this one. I look forward to all these, but uh, to put a time context on this, on the date that we're recording this, which is May 3rd, 2022, yesterday on May 2nd, I think it was yesterday late, Politico got a, a leaked version of the uh, what the hell do they call it, Jerry? The ruling, the dra the draft of draft uh, of the ruling of the Supreme Court's take on Roe v. Wade, and uh, so Jerry, you know, abortion, the leak brief. What's your take on all this? Well, uh, last week. Um, uh, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, uh, signed a painfully restrictive law on abortion following the path paved by a number of other states helmed by conservatives. The legislation bans abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy, even in cases of rape and incest. The Mississippi law, after which the Florida law is patterned, is about to be tested before the Supreme Court. And based on this leaked draft of Justice Alito's opinion, 
the decision might well obliterate the last vestiges of Roe v. Wade. The fact that DeSantis would sign such a measure is hardly surprising since his focus these days is clearly on the Republican nomination for president to be pursued if Trump doesn't run and perhaps even if he does. To borrow a baseball metaphor, if the Republican nomination is the home run he seeks, you don't get to touch the plate unless you first touch all the bases, pro-gun, anti-gay, and most importantly, anti-abortion. That's the undeniable litmus test for the Republican nomination, just as pro-choice is for the Democratic one. Now, recognizing that all eyes are going to be on what the Supreme Court does now with the Mississippi case, I can't help but notice what recently happened in Texas with its own restrictive abortion law. A young woman was arrested and charged with murder over what authorities allege was a self-induced abortion. Unsurprisingly, there was instant public outrage launched from all directions of our political and cultural divide. But in fairness, the charge was quickly dropped. Nevertheless, this initial public displeasure in a sense demonstrates the logic of the pro-choice position. Let me explain. The anti-abortion stance is based on the principle that one person may not take the life of another. In fact, if one does, if it's not self-defense or military action, the penalty may well be life in prison or even perhaps the death penalty in states that permit it. For example, if you hear that two nights ago, a man broke into a home at the end of your block and knifed to death a two-year-old girl, I mean, who wouldn't want at least life in prison for that killer? On the other hand, if you heard that a 17-year-old daughter of your neighbor several months ago had an abortion, would you honestly believe she should be arrested and imprisoned for life? My guess is 95% of Americans would say, no, of course not. But why is that? Why do we distinguish between a fetus and a two-year-old girl? At some level, we must understand that there's a difference. I think it's because the debate on abortion centers around the wrong question. It should not be, when does life begin? We know that answer. It's scientific. Life begins at conception. The real question is, when does a human being begin? And that is a philosophical or religious question not answerable by science, but only by our own philosophical and religious beliefs, guaranteed protection by our First Amendment. A pregnant woman's view on when what's in her body is yet a human being is surely personal, perhaps religious, and must not be infringed upon by any other person's religion, and certainly not by the government. How can we not be amazed by some of the same people and politicians who scream against the government mandating that we wear masks, claiming it's a violation of our liberty and freedom, while at the same time being perfectly willing to mandate that a woman who gets pregnant even by rape must carry a fetus in her body for nine months? Oh, I forgot. Apparently, freedom is just for men. 
That's great, Jerry. Hey, by the way, uh, before we go to Jerome, let me ask you a couple of follow-ups on that. Sure. Let's assume that the leaked version of the ruling written by Judge Alito, is that? Yeah, Alito. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, If that really comes to be, and, and, you know, we don't know if it'll, I'll tell you what I assume. I assume that's pretty much going to be it. They may tweak it some here and there, and I could be wrong. But a lot of people think it it got leaked out, and that's kind of where it's going to land. And it is a kind of a nuclear shift. Uh, And a woman has a miscarriage in a state that then, because it leaves it then up to the states, and about half the states are going to make it uh, potentially criminally punishable. And if a woman has a miscarriage and they have this, you can bring a suit against somebody who either does it or who has one, there's going to be mistaken charges for someone who didn't. Well, I, I'm not, you claim it was a miscarriage, but I think you I think you got the abortion pill surreptitiously because that all is going to go on. And sure. it's some, some of it above the board, some of it, it's going to be difficult to know, you know, you can buy, I know, you know, you, you get sex toys for what you and Mickey do, and they come from Amazon and some camouflage and some camouflage packaging. They do not come from Amazon. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, the, the abortion pill could be arriving camouflage. This is going to be very, very tricky if they get, you know, be careful what they wish for, because this is going to be, I think, well, I think it'll have a, a, a tremendous political consequence. If this doesn't right. unite women around America and, you know, certainly bring Democrats out to the poll and even Republic, certainly independent people. And uh, I think now there is an issue because it's even greater than abortion. It means that for the first time in American history, the Supreme Court has taken away a constitutional right. Right. It, it has always been we added new ones uh, as we, you know, developed and progressed as a nation, new rights. But we've never taken one away. And this is, is not going to be taken. And uh, I just think you, you said it exactly right. Um, the Republicans should be careful what they wish for because yeah. they don't have an issue now. Now they have to defend what they've done to women and, and to to human beings, to, you know, the government to tell a human being what they have to do with their body for nine months. It's just, it's unbelievable, you know, in a free society. Uh, I, I can't imagine that there isn't going to be a tremendous backlash and, uh, Everyone who runs for office is going to have to sign off on this. Yeah, there'll be some states where obviously, um, you know, in Florida is probably one of them. But I'm not even sure now. I think all of a sudden, a lot of states that we assume were red states may now all of a sudden shift because this is this is what we're going to get with these governors. This is what we're going to get with if we get a different president who, uh, you know, will solidify that kind of decision by the appointments he makes to the Supreme Court, certainly in the Senate. Good Lord, it's, um, yeah, this is scary times. Do you notice uh, today, 
when uh, the media could, you know, fully from uh, one end to the other could sort of deal with this issue that Republicans all wanted to talk about only one thing, and that was the leak. The leak. They yeah. would not talk about the substance of it. And they're, they're going to be forced to. They can't pull that off. Yeah. But they apparently, the leadership or the Republican National Committee sent out something. They know, to be honest, that this is a loser. They know. I'm going to say something. Tell me if, if you think I, I have this right. This is a loser issue for them. Not a winning yeah. issue. It's a losing issue, except for their base. Right. So, in other words, if you want to try to uh, rule against, govern against the will of the people, then do this because that's what you're going to do. All the polls, yeah. there's no, I saw some data the other day that they did polling back in 1997. They compared polling, you know, in the last few months. Going back then is the second comparison, 1997. There's been no shift in the views of Americans. As to whether they think abortion rights at some level, now you can argue about the edges, you know, so-called partial birth abortion, late-term abortion, but largely Americans in the hot to the high 50s percentages, high 50s, feel it should be protected. And it's down in the 30s that say no, that that what is about to happen. And rape and incest is over 70 percent. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have Ohio looking at a bill put forward by uh, state uh, House of Representatives, state rep, um, Jean Schmidt, that's she where she says, hey, somebody gets raped, they're pregnant. They cannot under her bill have an abortion. She says, hey, they got to look at it as an opportunity to bring a life into the world and make that life as good a life as it can be. That is freaking crazy in America today. Yeah. But that's a viewpoint. That's why I say, Jerry, this is a losing issue for Republicans, not a winning issue for them. Yeah. They no longer have the freedom issue anymore. They just gave it up. Yeah. They just gave it up. They can't say we want our liberty. We want our freedom. We're the party of, you know, we don't want big government. What is bigger government than them coming in and telling a woman, tough, sorry about the rape, sorry yeah. about the incest, suck it up. Yeah. You could carry this kid. And then in most cases, uh, you know, keep the child and raise the child. And this is what your life is going to be. We're forcing you to yeah. do it. it, it it's just incredible. It is. And it, it'll be interesting to see how, how all this plays out. Um, and it's not the last time we'll deal with this. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we'll be back to this. Oh, this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Hey, just one, one last thing. There, there's a, you know, such a big hubbub made about this leak. And I got to tell you, my reaction when I heard it was leaked was, I oh, mean, everything is leaked. It, it's 2022. Yeah. Tough crap. If you yeah. think you can, I don't care whether it's the Supreme Court or the Senate or the White House. Look at all the leaks Trump had to deal with. And Biden's had leaks leaking. It's its a digital age. Yeah. And, and so should they follow the law and punish the person? I guess I wouldn't argue against that. Uh, and that person will be a hero for having put this out ahead of time, because what the, what it does, what the leak does, it does allow, and Republicans did not want this, 
for the country to have advanced notice of what bad stuff was coming so that the Senate might try to codify abortion rights. Now, they'll lose that vote because they have to break the filibuster, meaning 60 votes, and they'll never get it. But Chuck Schumer is going to have the vote. And don't you think he should? But Susan Collins was on television today saying, Brett Kavanaugh lied to me. She said it. He lied to me in the Senate hearings. He took me. She's pissed off. She will vote with the Dems on this and they won't get Manchin. I mean, it's going to be a messy vote, but don't you think they should force them? Oh, yeah. Everyone's everyone's got to be counted on this one. And uh, it's that big. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch, but, you know, we're not the ones getting pregnant. Let me tell you, in closing on this, my daughter said to me today in a phone call, she's in Orlando, Florida, and she's driving to pick up her kids. And we're talking about this and she's heartbroken over this and uh, this ruling, what we think is going to be the the ruling. And I'm going, you know, my usual direction of "Ah, be optimistic on this. They're overreaching. It's going to backfire and blah, blah, blah. And who knows? We could, you know, win votes because of this. And her counsel to me was there are women today who are facing these circumstances, including rape victims who are pregnant. Do not forget them. You can't fix them with your long term political solution. That's a great answer. Isn't that right? Yeah. 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 That's great. That's right. Do not want to know is who paid for that phone call. Did you make (laughs) it pay for it? Now, Jerry, in you know, the you new age so of cell phones, it, the long distance calls them cost anymore. Oh, 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 they don't see that. D- David, are you noticing that in Jerome and Mike? Actually. We've got Jerome Palette down in the, at the edge of the world. You've got to put, you get three minutes. Jerry still thinks, guys, that, you know, if it's a long distance call, it costs more. It costs more. And you got to put the coins in there and she interrupts. <laughs> the, the, the operator interrupts in three minutes. That's the phone I have. Yeah. I, the operator like to make a long distance collect call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, let's talk to Jerome. Hey, yes. now let me, Jerome, let me give your backstory. And then, of course, when I F it all up, you come in and clean it all up and say, Gene's information is all wrong. But we're going to talk to Jerome Palete. Hope I'm pronouncing his last name as, as correctly as, as I possibly can. Now, I'm betting, and Jerome, you can in a second start off and clean this up. I'm betting you speak at least three languages because I know you speak English and I know you speak Spanish. You've been speaking it for a long time, maybe years now. And I'm pretty sure you came from a French section of Canada, so you probably speak French. And so here's Jerome's deal. So I was uh, riding my bicycle from, I don't know, I had ridden from Cincinnati up to Yellow Springs, Ohio. Who's the comedian that's from Yellow Springs? Dave Chappelle. Chappelle, yep. And Yellow Springs is this amazing little hippie college town. Uh, Do you remember it, Jerome? I don't know if you remember coming through there. But uh, Jerome was on his bike. I'm on an e-bike because I'm old and Jerome's on just a regular uh, analog bike, as you would call it. Uh, And he was headed south and he had he was camped out and uh, we chatted because I said, 
dude, where the hell are you going? You know, I expected him to say Tennessee or something. And he says, well, actually, I'm going to the tip of Argentina. I said, you're insane. Are you kidding? Where are you coming from? Canada. So when we first talked, we stayed in touch. And Jerome has been on our podcast a few other times because I stay in touch with him and say, Jerome, we got to talk to you. Where are you? And now he is in Ushuaia, I think is how it's pronounced, Argentina, which is at the virtually at the end of the earth. And I think what started off as maybe a thought of a one-year journey has turned into four years. So we have a bunch of questions, uh, Jerome. First of all, how you doing? Hi, Gene. First of all, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing very good. Can you hear me well? And we yeah. can. We can yeah. hear you fine. This is yeah. good. Perfect. Uh, so I, I want to say... Uh, first, I want to say thanks to you guys for uh, keeping in touch with me all along my journey. Oh, man, we're, we have loved it, Jerome. Now, my understanding is from talking to you in the past, and to be honest, uh, not just blowing smoke here, you're one of my heroes. I, my hero, Among my heroes, my first hero is, of course, Jerry Springer, <laughs> and then John Glenn after him, first man in space. Uh, but... Uh, my heroes include people who, for a variety of reasons, just go do stupid stuff, insane stuff, like, you know, riding from Canada, which is almost the top of North America, all the way to the end of the earth. And you you are a, a voiceover professional. You record voiceovers for educational purposes and corporate for companies. Have you uh, been able to continue to do that? And has it been four years? It's been four years and a half. Wow. Uh, I'm sorry, I think I think I, I lost a part of your question, but about voiceovers, yeah, I got back at it when I was in Panama out of nowhere. I was really lucky. Someone wrote to me uh, to do a voiceover on a commercial, and I've been able to finance my trip that way. And okay. uh, and have you literally ridden your bike this whole distance? Is that how you travel? I have. I have. <laughs> That's crazy. And, it's, uh, and you have the same bike still? Yeah, I do. I do. I changed some parts, of course. Uh, but the frame and most, most the, the principle is uh, the same. And uh, give us, uh, and Jerry, jump in here as well. I've just got some things that are spinning off my head. But have you had any, like, in this four-and-a-half-year journey, wild or crazy things that happen, dangerous encounters, uh, you know, incredibly uh, elevating experiences. Give us a couple of the highlights of this journey because hardly anybody can do this. And I believe I, I told you about when I met some cartel guys in Mexico because the first time you interviewed me, I was, in, uh, I was about to cross to Guatemala. So I, I'm pretty sure I... I, I told that yeah. story after uh, when I crossed Nicaragua I was uh, there was a, a social crisis uh, I think it was in 18 or 19 okay um, I was detained by paramilitaries uh, over there for taking a picture I took a picture of a tranque that's basically a barricade made of uh, interlockable stones that the streets are made of the there, uh, the people who were manifesting in the streets, uh, they take these stones off and they make barricades to 
to stop the police and try to, to protest and so um before entering nicaragua i was i was reading a lot uh, in the news to see how the situation was it was a lot of repression and right before i entered uh the country i met a, an english guy who was going the other way uh, he was going north to alaska it, it was crazy the other way around yeah 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 and, and, and i don't know if yeah. i made it yeah and uh so uh do you think having gone through this and still enjoying it that do you think human beings are basically good or evil dangerous benevolent what, what's your take on what have you learned about humanity yeah, I'm, 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 can I answer in two two levels? I'm yeah, gonna, sure. I, I can only uh, answer from my own experience, but in my experience, most people I, I've met, like the the giant, the huge majority of people that I've met, are are good people, great people. But um, I've met also I met women who travel on bike alone and uh, there have been times where someone that helped me uh, you know hey uh have a coffee have a bottle of water how oh, is it what you're doing is really nice uh have a piece of bread um sometimes you have to wonder hey would, would that person would that man uh be nice to a woman who's traveling alone or or would he try to take advantage and uh uh, some friends I, I've met have told me stories that, yeah, in some cases, in some instances, uh, they had to like run away from a uh, situation that got uh, pretty scary. Okay. So I've left with was good experience. Ever, yeah. Was there ever a time, probably not once you're at it for two or three years already, but was there ever a time where you said, you know, maybe. Maybe this wasn't such a great idea. You know, in other words, you wanted to stop or I've got enough information. And the rest of the way, there's this flight that leaves tomorrow morning at 1030. <laughs> I'll take that to Argentina. Mm. I mean, was there ever a moment where you said, ah, I just can't do this. And this is a chunk of your life, four and a half years. I mean, you know, that's a significant period of time. Was there ever a time you said, ah, I'm done? Um, no, there, <laughs> there have been hard times. I mean, I, I think I told you I started that trip because I had a lot of depression problems uh, before and the depression came back to me during those four years and a half, a few times, even recently uh, during the pandemic. And uh, I'm going to tell you before, uh, the few days before arriving here, which was my goal all along. I was worried that I wouldn't feel a thing arriving oh. here and that everything would have been for nothing. <laughs> but oh. abandoning, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. so did, did you get sick? Did I mean, did you get yeah. um, COVID or you I, did? I did. I, I did oh, get wow. COVID uh, recently, like maybe two months ago. Really? And did you, yeah. had you been vaccinated? Did, had you gotten vaccinations and boosters on your journey? Uh, I have because I, st I stayed the whole pandemic in Chile. 
uh, I was really lucky once again. We once in a while, a cyclist, we go to the fire station, ask for if we can sleep the night. Uh, I was traveling with a friend at that time. We arrived the day before the pandemic started, and they let us stay for basically. Uh, my friend stayed like eight months. I stayed a year and a half over there, <laughs> and. Uh, Three, three of the firemen over there were working at the La Posta, which is like a clinic in a small village, and they had me the 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 shots. Wow! So you would stay, and I know you did this uh, when there was a hurricane. Was it in Texas? You stayed for a period of time, so people should understand it wouldn't necessarily take. Uh, of course, you tell us to ride from Quebec. Is that where you came from? Where did you start? A little bit north of Montreal. Okay, so to ride from uh, Montreal to the tip of Argentina, if you were riding on average maybe 50 miles a day, let's say. And is that sort of a decent amount of miles per day? Is that a pretty good chunk? Uh, yeah, that's a pretty decent average. If you want to enjoy, like there's tons of things to see all the time. And some some stretches I've, I was doing 100, 120, and it's okay. really tiring, and you don't really have time to enjoy. So if the, you were averaging 50 a day, 60 a day in that range, about how long would it take to ride from Montreal to the tip of Argentina? About a year or year and a half? What do you think? Yeah, a year, year and a half is a good is a good guess. Okay, so so you did it in four and a half, and that indicates that you lingered some places, you stopped some places, such as in Chile and such as in Texas, and maybe a few other spots. And what comes next, Jerome? What are you, what are you thinking of doing now that you're done? Uh, to be honest, I, I'm trying not to think. I, I mean, I have a lot of projects, a lot of, of ideas, but um, I'm also a bit tired mentally, emotionally, physically from from the trip, and I don't want to take a tired decision. You know, it's it's an important decision, so I'm yes. going to rest and meditate on it. And one thing I want to do for sure is uh, help people that that have depression problems. I could start from here and go back north. I could fly home and start there. Um, yeah, but that's that's one thing I want to do for sure. Uh, one last question: Have you thought of and do you follow people who do these kinds of things? I'm thinking of Nora Lee, who is from the Netherlands, who is a adventure motorcycle traveler. So she does her deal on motorcycles. And her YouTube channel is called Itchy Boots, meaning I can't stay in one place, Itchy Boots. And uh, she has gone from being a candidate for a doctorate in geology to quitting all that and working for mining companies, which is how she was applying her studies. And now mon has monetized travel, adventure travel, and carries a GoPro and a drone and posts three times a week and has over a million subscribers. And the word is, the research, the stuff I read is she's over a millionaire now. And what she does is produce content. Have you thought about not to be a millionaire, but to spread the word of uh, 
about depression of using and or maybe you did. Have you used uh, YouTube to tell your story about your work? And uh, no, not at all. I, I really needed to do uh, this trip for myself. I needed okay. I, I needed to to find uh, I don't know how to translate it self uh, love self love self acceptance yes. before yes. I could yeah. help anyone. So that's why I, I never wanted to uh, start on on something that would be too heavy for me because you know. I, I, I'm sometimes I say the analogy is a, a depressive person is almost carrying his own corpse on his back sometimes when yeah. when in the hard hardest pass. One hardest last question. Everyone's saying last question, but I swear yeah, this go is my last. Is in these four and a half years, have you learned anything about yourself that you didn't know before? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. <laughs> that's why that's why I'm the host. That's it. No, no I'm, I'm an idiot. But oh, um, yeah, is there something like wow? I mean, obviously, at some level, you got to feel really good about yourself. It's a hell of an accomplishment. Uh, but um, everyone will tell you that. But did you say, yeah? Did you learn anything about yourself that you didn't know? And maybe you didn't. You know, but if you did, what would that be? I think I'm, I've proven I've proven myself things that I suspected I, I was uh, I had inside of me, but love myself because I doubted that uh, for years and years. You know, I was really hard on myself for some reason. I don't, I don't even know why to this day. I I. What I did with that trip is almost like an inception, you know. I said, hey, Jerome, uh, your happiness lies uh, over there at the end of the world and you have to reach it on a bicycle. And if you uh, if you don't succeed, you'll never be happy. How stupid is that? <laughs> I learned yeah, that I'm yeah. very stupid. Yeah, that yeah that's good, Jerome. <laughs> One of the lessons of that trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's good. Don't worry about that. I've made a career out of being stupid. So <laughs> I, can, I can tell you I've been that route. Uh, hey, Jerome. Okay. Hey, Jerome, I am so glad that I met you on that bike trail. And I have enjoyed staying in touch with you. I know Jerry has too, and Megan Hills, who, as we explained, wasn't able to be with us tonight. Uh, but I intend to stay in touch with you. And if you decide to do another journey, and I, and by the way, I'll say in closing, I, I encourage you to uh, look into and take up this, this worldwide communication through YouTube. YouTube is really the platform, in my opinion, that is the best suited for this. It's, it's where I'm telling you, man, there, it is so powerful, uh, not only as a money-making source, because I think it is that, but for storytelling and for moving a message. And your message is so important about depression and, uh, but, you know, would require getting some gear and maybe you know how to use all that gear. And but anyway, and I encourage you and our listeners, check out Itchy Boots. She's her mission is not what we're talking to Jerome about, but she's a hell of a storyteller. And you pretty quickly from her and plenty of others see. Uh, see what the potential is. 
Uh, Jerome, uh, God bless you, and I hope to stay in touch with you, brother, and thank you so much for sharing your story ongoing with us. Thanks again for having me, keeping in touch all the way. All right. Okay, thanks. That's uh, Jerome Palete from uh, north of Montreal and now in the uh, southern part of Argentina. I want to turn to Mike West. This is really exciting because Mike is a singer-songwriter from uh, England, from, you know, just outside of Liverpool. And I jokingly said, but it is the truth, uh, Jerry was born in England until age what, Jerry? You were there till five. Till five. Yeah, and you, when I found out it couldn't be king. <laughs> How many times? And that? you have gone back many times is that not true yes, jerry that is yeah, well, I yeah love I mean, it. i'm an anglophile i love england i got gotcha. you yeah. and uh mike uh tell us first of all just tell us some stuff about yourself uh like you know how you've been writing songs and uh how old are you just give us some some background on you yeah so i'm 31 i'm from the Wirral, which is just over the water from liverpool if you know about amazing i'm on just on the other side of it on the wrong side of it okay in the same way when i see like artists playing live and you're like i really don't want to follow that guy after hearing about jerome <laughs> yeah. and his story i really don't want to be the <laughs> i have to come in and try and stop that but um, yeah i'm 31 i've been doing this for six years and yep. um, i've been lucky enough to travel around the uk and europe i haven't hit the states yet because visas are really expensive and um, yep. but i've been lucky in what i've got to do to who I've got to play with. And even this is an absolute trip. So thank you for having me on. Oh man, we love it. And your style of music would, you might characterize as alternative country. Would that be true now? Yeah. And when you say, you know, when we say alternative country, I mean, we know in the States what country music is to us. It's Americana music. It's mm. out West stuff. It, it incorporates Appalachian music. Mm. Hollers of Appalachia, West Virginia, Kentucky, et cetera, um, is cowboy songs. Mm. Is that the stuff? Is that how you think of country or is country mean something indigenous to England? It's it's a weird like chicken egg situation, I think, All for right. country music in England. Like one of the things I do is uh, is part of road country and we help platform UK artists like Brandon Ridley or Josh Bettis and folks like that. And it's it's got those American influences and that iconography, but it's got British roots, it's got a British spin to it. So it's a really interesting thing because obviously we aren't singing about open prairies and cowboys yep. in that sense, but there is a history of country music. Here, we've got a lot of country artists that came around in the 50s. I played with like Buck Owens and Willie Nelson. So there is an established tradition here, and it's been in the last maybe six or seven years. There's been artists that have kind of carried that tradition and picked that torch back up. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Springer, serious question. In your times back to England, because I know because we're old friends, you go a lot, uh, professional reasons and also yeah. for a lot of reasons. Uh, had you, Jerry, ever noticed uh, or heard, been aware of the country influence in England? Well, for a while, I don't know that I necessarily classified it as country, but um, it seemed that Britain stayed with ballads mm -hmm. uh, and storytelling a lot longer than America did. 
Huh. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was, I mean, even early Beatles was great tunes, you know, yeah. and it, 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 great melodies and what country music, look, in America, there was an early rock and roll was country. I mean, this, yeah. the early stars in the 1950s, whether it's Elvis Presley or uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Johnny it's, Cash, Johnny yeah. Cash, um, they they all on the same radio stations. There wasn't like a radio station that just played country and one that played rock and roll. It was the same. It was southern yeah. rock and roll, and and I think that's what we saw in Britain. And then, of course, um, after the uh, Kennedy assassination. We, we shut down music in America for several months and the British invasion came over. And you mentioned the Mersey. Uh, uh, oh, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Yeah. He had his hit song, Ferry Cross the Mersey. You ever take the ferry across the Mersey? Yeah, and it's played on it on a loop. Are you serious? <laughs> oh, man. I'm such a loser. That's good. Oh, oh, we don't yeah. want to disappoint tourists. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I'd be the kind of guy, oh, could you play very close? <laughs> That's good. Hey, well, you've got a song that you're going to do for us called Rock Fairy. Tell us a little bit about that. What's the style of music? Is that a good example of alternative country style that you do? And what inspired it? Tell us a little bit about that song. So this is the lighter side of things, because with alt country, it's taken those traditional elements of country music and making them maybe a bit heavier, a bit edgier, a bit darker. Yep. This, to me, is one of my lightest songs. It was more inspired by like the Woody Guthrie side of storytelling and songwriting, where this is about my hometown. I'm from Rock Ferry. I went to primary school and high school there. I met my wife there. I've met all my friends there. And I love Rock Ferry, but as with everyone who's got a hometown, there are bad sides to it. There are yeah. negatives, there are uh, downsides. And unless you kind of acknowledge both, you don't really get a whole picture and you don't really get to progress within that town or even move away or make changes that would be positive. So I wrote this song as a way to kind of acknowledge the good and the bad of my hometown. And as I've played it around the country and in other countries, everyone's hometown's got the same issues and we're a lot more similar than we think we are. That's perfect. So it, it's universal. You, yeah. You're specifically about Rock Ferry, your town, but it can resonate with lots of people uh, from a lot of towns, yeah. wherever they are. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, Mike West, uh, Rock Ferry. Most 
die for God's own purpose. Rest I for God with time. Goddamn class of old seven. Wasted you, branded lives. I'll make it out if it kills me. I'll see the other side. Yes, I drive through this memory of what a town supposed to be. Boarded houses, broken wind. Excellent. Uh, we appreciate it. And by the way, uh, we want to ask you just a couple more things. If people want to hear, because our audience is largely uh, in the States, not exclusively. We do have some English followers and we're very happy about that. Uh, where can people uh, hear your music, uh, at least digitally? Yeah, so I'm everywhere. If you go to mike333west.com. That's my website that has links to everything. And then if you just search Mike West on Spotify, iTunes, Napster, wherever, um, I'm there. If you see a rapper, you've gone too far. So just scroll back up a bit. <laughs> and it's, it's me. <laughs> and it's Mike333. That's the numerals, 333, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Mike333west.com and uh, and everywhere else. So uh Man, we 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 may have you on again. I will talk to you after the show, but uh, this has been very cool. Uh, and taking us out is Tyler Childers. Yeah, that guy. He's a superstar now. And Tyler Childers uh, is on our podcast, actually a time, at least once and maybe a couple times. And here's uh, Tyler Childers and his band with Jerry Springer singing Down by the Riverside. Down by the riverside, down by 
side Down by the riverside I'm gonna lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside I'm gonna study